Welcome, welcome, geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio, episode 214. Today we're joined by cartoonist Gene Luen Yang, talking all about his many projects, Superman Smashes the Clan, Shang-Chi from Marvel, and more. Stand by. And for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome to geek to me Radio. We cover the world of entertainment, geek news, TV, movies, video games, and comic books. And we always try to bring you someone new and interesting every week. This is the online version that you're hearing right now. We also have a live radio version that broadcasts in the greater St. Louis area on KTRS, the big 550. You can catch that live on Sunday nights. We normally stream on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube as well. And this will be uploaded on to the online site here at geektomeradio.com or anchor.fm or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hopefully you're subscribing on whatever platform you're on. We'd be very grateful if you'd leave us a five-star review. It helps us in the search engines and just kind of helps us out overall. Lots of ways to support the show, and we'll talk about that later in the hour. But right now, I'm very excited to speak to this guest. Let's get right in. Right now, we're talking with Gene Luen Yang about uh, his career, basically. Lecturer, cartoonist teacher, ambassador for uh, young people's entertainment. If I went on to all of the things he does and says, we'd never get started with the interview. So let's jump in. Gene, how are you? Good, good. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks very much for asking. And thanks for the time today. It's a great pleasure to talk to you. I've got so much to cover. It's, uh, what an amazing career you've had. You started producing your own content and then quickly, you know, 2006, you're winning awards, you're getting nominated for stuff. Talk a little bit about going from uh, this, what you've wanted to do since I think fifth grade to now being nationally acclaimed and all the accolades you received. Yeah. I, I fell in love with comic books when I was in the fifth grade. That was the year that my mom took me to my local bookstore and bought me a Superman comic off of the spinner rack. So pretty soon after that, I became a comic book collector and I also became a comic book creator. That was actually one of my favorite things about comics when I was a kid was anybody could make a comic, right? Like all you really needed was some some pens and some, some paper and you were off to the races. Uh, so I began making my own comics. I had a best friend named Jeremy Kaniyoshi in fifth grade. We'd come up with stories together. I would do the pencils and he would do the inks and we would give him Xerox and, and sell them to our classmates. <laughs> so so I, I kind of, I stayed interested in comics all the way through, all the way through into my adulthood. And as an adult, I started self-publishing my own comics. Uh, I was in my early 20s then. 
And at the time, this was like late 90s. So anybody who's been a longtime comic book geek, I'm sure remembers this time when things were just really shaky yeah. in the American comic book market. You remember that? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like comic book stores are closing left and right. It was rough. It was rough. Uh, but that was when I was entering into comics. And because it was so rough, I never really thought I was going to be able to make a career out of it. I just wanted to make comics because I liked them. So I was I was a self-publisher, and my plan was – I was going to get a, a full-time job doing something else. I became a, a high school computer science teacher, and then I would do comics on the side. And that was how I was planning to live my life. So to go from there to here was really unexpected. No kidding. And that's funny. Your first comic that you remember getting was Superman, and here you are writing on New Superman. Obviously, Superman smashes the clan. Do you happen to remember, just out of curiosity, what issue it was, what comic it was of Superman? Yeah, it was DC Comics Presents number 57, starring Superman and the Atomic Knights. Perfect. Wow, that goes yeah. back a ways. I've got that whole run. <laughs> I don't think I've read all of them yet, but I've got that whole DC Comics Presents run. It's great. Okay, okay. Were you more of a DC guy or a Marvel guy, or were you both? A little bit of both, actually. Yeah, I kind of, I think uh, early on, I think uh, Batman came out in 1989. That's what really sparked my desire to start collecting oh, okay, comic books. okay. But like you, I remember the first comic that my mom and dad took me to St. Louis International Airport here in, uh, obviously, St. Louis. And we were waiting for my brother's flight to come in, and they bought me a comic book. It was Superpowers, Volume 2, Number 5, featuring Batman, Superman, and the Flash, the Jack Kirby art throughout that series. So that's what sparked my love of comic books. Yeah, that's a great issue. That's great. Yeah, all that Jack Kirby stuff was amazing. It had such energy to it. It did. You know? Oh, my gosh. There's nobody like him. Yeah, yeah, really. I, I did go through a period when I was um, a little older, probably my teens, where I got all snobby about Jack Kirby, <laughs> and I just thought his his faces looked so uh, unusual. But then, like, you become an adult and you realize, no, Jack Kirby is actually in every single other, like, he's influenced every single other artist in the superhero space, no right? Doubt, so if you yeah. like anybody in superheroes, you basically like Jack Kirby. Exactly. No, there's 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 a reason he's still known as the king. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And we talked about DC just briefly, and we're going to get back to it. But Marvel, I was blown away with your Shang-Chi miniseries. I was I was very disappointed when I learned that that was going to be a miniseries. I thought it was an ongoing series, but what a great job. Kudos on that, by the way. Well, thank you. Thank you. That was a lot of fun to do. You know, that was my first real work for Marvel. I did a short story for one of their Strange Tales anthologies years and years ago. But the, the first five Shang-Chi uh, books that we did together... That was that was it, and I was a big. I was actually much more of a Marvel head than than a DC fan when okay. I was a kid. Even though my first comic was a DC comic, I pretty quickly, pretty soon after that, I became a, a huge Marvel fan. Um, and and uh, and recently, they just announced that Shang Chi is actually going to be going to ongoing because of the support Great. that we got for the the miniseries. So the the first issue of that will be out ne- uh, this coming May. Very cool. I take it it'll pick up or at least have threads kind of obviously where we left off because there's a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of uh, threads at which you can pull from that series you did. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was a lot of fun. They kind of just let me and the, the creative team kind of run with, with it, right? Shang-Chi, he has, especially from the viewpoint of 2021, he has a, like, like this mix of good and bad in, in his past. His, there, there are pieces of his origin that don't hold up as well right, in 2021. Sure. And and some of, like, one of the tasks that we were given was try to figure out how to how to work things so they feel new and they feel uh, 
like so that we can leave some of the bad stuff behind you know yeah i I think that one of the big challenges of working in the marvel universe is that there are not these big resets right like dc has a crisis back in the 80s and uh in rebirth and even though rebirth was a soft reset in in new 52 before it Mm -hmm. so dc the dc universe kind of goes through these like these hard resets whereas that never happens in marvel so you kind of have to whatever's bad in the past you kind of have to deal with it in some way yeah the titles may reboot but the continuity overall it's just kind of either they layer it into the multiverse or it's just been presented as yeah this is still peter parker just like he was back in 1964 when when uh you know stan and steve were were doing the book it's the same character and i guess yeah obviously shang chi what i loved about your series is you didn't have to be knowledgeable about the character to immediately pick up and hit the ground running with this book. How much research did you do personally going into taking on that comic? Well, they, they sent me a whole bunch of old stuff. They sent me my editor, Darren Chan. Uh, he sent me a, a lot of that old uh, master of Kung Fu stuff. And then he sent me um, a run when Shang-Chi was part of the Avengers. Yeah. Uh, so I read, I, I read both the really, really old stuff and some of the new stuff. And then I myself had collected um, the, the Marvel Max series. I had a few issues of that okay. back in the early 2000s. So that, like, I wasn't a huge Shang-Chi fan when I signed on, um, but I, I was familiar with the character. And we also, we mentioned earlier, Superman Smashes the Clan. You won a Harvey Award for that one. Uh, that's, and uh, to, you, I, I read that you based it on an actual one of those 1946 Adventures of Superman radio series plays. Uh, I think it's Clan and the, of Clan of the Fiery Cross or something, but you based that's it kind right. of off that with a twist. Talk about the inspiration for that book from you. Was that something you kind of petitioned that, hey, I want to do this? Or was it something that DC had in the works and you were brought on for it? Yeah, I actually, I proposed it. So DC was starting off this um, new young readers line. So comics for kids all the way through young adults. And I put in a proposal to do Superman Smash the Clan. And they said, yes, it was actually Marie Javins, um, who is the head of the whole thing now. But back then she was, uh, I think she was an executive editor. I don't remember her exact title, but she was in charge of this new young readers line. She asked me if I had any ideas. I sent it in to her. Um, she agreed to do it. And I'm hugely, hugely thankful that I got to work with her and that she said yes. But what we wanted to do was present one of the most important stories from the Superman mythos in comics for the very first time. Back in the 1940s, Superman had the most uh, popular radio show in America. And there was a storyline in 1946 called The Clan of the Fiery Cross, where Superman actually takes on essentially what are the DC universe version of the KKK. And and people say that that storyline um, had this intense real world effect. You know, mm. once the, the man of steel took on the clan in this fictional story, nobody wanted to join the real life <laughs> clan and the actual KKK saw this drop in, in membership. Well, that in, that in itself is is amazing, just that he dropped the membership, much less smashing the clan itself. So it's both figurative and literal. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and because of that, I just, I wanted to, I wanted to do it. I, I felt like it's such an important piece of Superman history, right? For a variety of reasons. There's, there's the fact that, you know, this fictional story about a guy in a red cape has this real world effect, like has a, like makes a change for good. And um, and then at the center of the story is actually this Chinese-American family 
uh, a Chinese American family moves in the, in the metropolis in the original radio show. That's what happens. And then the, the clan gets all agitated about it and they burn a, a cross on this family's lawn. So as a Chinese American myself, you know, I'm not used to seeing characters look like me in the pages of superhero stories. So to find out that there was this family of people who look like me in a story that dates back all the way to 1946, it just, it felt, uh, there's something affirming about that yeah. for me. And then also we talked about uh, DC Rebirth. You worked on New Superman as well. I did. Yeah, that was not my idea. Unlike Superman Smash the Clan, that was definitely not my idea. <laughs> that, that was um, it was an idea that DC had. I, from my understanding, it was um, it was Jeff Johns and, and Jim Lee wanted a, an Asian member of the superhero universe. I'm sorry, of the Superman family, um, and and then they wanted they they decided they decided they wanted to do a, a Chinese Superman. They called me up to ask me if I wanted to do it. And at first, I told them no. I turned them down. Oh, really? Like, that sounds. That sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm glad. I'm glad. Like I went in for a meeting. Uh, that was right after DC moved into their Burbank offices, and they flew me down. Uh, I went in. Like I don't know if you've been to the DC offices. It's I haven't yet. It's no. Like a, yeah, it's amazing. It's like a little. I don't know. It's like a little geek paradise. So you can walk into the, the the lobby, and at the time, at least, I don't know if they're still there. There are these giant statues of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman oh, wow. wearing their their costumes from the Justice League movie. You know, and then they have like this test set in the in the waiting area. It's all like villains on one side and heroes on the other. It's really crazy. Huh. And, the, and, the, and the lanterns, like they have a green lantern or a red lantern and a yellow lantern all by the, wow. by the windowsill. I want to go there now yeah, just so just, I can tour the lobby. That's Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no joke. Just pretend you have a meeting. You're right, just exactly. going to wait forever. I'm, yeah. Hi, I'm here to see Mr. Lee. I'll just go in and pretend like yeah. Jim Lee knows me. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and you got to yeah. work on all these great characters. Uh, you've worked on, we should mention too, Dark Horses, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Uh, so across the spectrum, you've got to work on all these different characters. Who's on your list? Because there's obviously a plethora of DC and Marvel characters. Who's on your list that you're just really want to take on? I, any of the uh, any of the uh, publishing companies? We'll pause there, take our first commercial break. Come back talking more with Gene Luen Yang right after this. Please stand by. Hi, my name is Yutaka Takeuchi, and you're listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back to geek to me Radio. The show, uh, it's premier sponsor. I want to make sure we sing their praises. The City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. Please check out the website, Discover stcharles.com discover st charles greater st charles convention and visitors bureau always puts on a lot of great events throughout the year uh they're they're head of their event planning ryan cooper always tries to bring new and unique festivals he's in charge of the legends and lanterns at halloween if you're a halloween fan it's a great time to go out and see christmas traditions uh just went off again without a hitch during covid with a modified thing to make everyone who both works the festival and coming to visit the festival feel safe 
there's always something happening in St. Charles. Not necessarily a festival, but there's always unique things to do. A lot of uh, shopping and dining experiences you won't get anywhere else. It's uh, You're supporting small business when you go down there and you shop these places and you eat at these restaurants. You're not supporting a conglomerate or a huge you know, chain. It's little mom and pop stop places that uh, have struggled during COVID. So the more you can support them, the better off we all will be. And it's just a great place to visit. It's a lot of fun, especially this week. The weather is beautiful. It's a great time to go down there and just run around in the park, uh, play Frisbee, take your dog out for a walk, bike ride the Katy Trail, uh, just explore some of the historic monuments, and just enjoy the natural beauty of the area. You can plan your trip at the website, discoverstcharles.com, and see what there is to do, uh, where you want to stay if you're coming from out of town, and just go have fun. It's a great time. We're starting to open things back up, and hopefully things will be getting back to normal soon, and a great time to help with that. Like I said, supporting these small businesses, getting out, getting some fresh air, and enjoying the world. You can do it all in downtown St. Charles. Check out the website again, that website, discoverstcharles.com. Very proud to have them as the official sponsor, premier sponsor for geek to me Radio. Before we took that last break, we were talking with Gene Luen Yang about uh, what character or characters would he most like to take on next? Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like I, I got to hit some of the really big ones, right? Like, I, uh, like Superman, because he was in the first comic that I ever bought. I've always wanted to write him. And now I'm writing Batman. Because I'm writing the Superman Batman book, yeah. but I've always like, especially ever since I was a little kid, I've always tended towards the more obscure characters. So in DC, I really love Fourth World. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I always said I wanted to do a Mr. Miracle book until Tom King did his, and I was like, <laughs> no, this is actually the perfect Mr. Miracle book. Mm. I think that that character is. Has, has been represented pretty well. Um, but like a lot of those fourth world characters, I think are, are fascinating. Like the forever people, I always thought they're so, so weird and, and fun. And then on the, on the Marvel side, I, I like, I definitely like, uh, like Nightcrawler and Jubilee. I think they're my favorite um, X-Men, mm-hmm. but there is this one character that I've always had like this deep heart attachment to called Frogman. You know who Frogman of is? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, just yeah, showed yeah, up yeah, in, yeah. Uh, I think in the new Iron Man series, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, he might be my favorite. He might be my favorite character in the in the in the Marvel universe. That's one of those great things about the the, the amazing Spider-Man Rogues Gallery. People think of people like Doc Ock and everything like, but they forget Frogman and the Gibbon and all these other characters who I yeah. think could really be really fascinating if they're explored more. That's that that would be fun. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I agree. And then it's cool too because you were just recently nominated as an educational if I'm not if I'm getting this correct a uh, national ambassador for young people's literature uh fairly recently 2016 when you get nominated for something like that you've gotten awards for your work and you're you're well known for the the titles we've already mentioned does that at all put a little bit of pressure on you for the new pieces going forward it's like oh I've got the standard to uphold now <laughs> or is that just kind of you know what it's something I got to do I'm not going to change the way I do my work it, it was amazing to, to, to be a part of that program for sure. So the, the National Ambassador for Young People's Literature Program was started by the Library of Congress. Um, every National Ambassador that they appoint gets a two-year term. So mine was in 2016 and 2017. And I was the first graphic novelist, but I wasn't the first National Ambassador to create a comic. Um, right before me was Kate DiCamillo, who did a book called Flora and Ulysses. That's like half comic and half novel. Like one chapter's comic, one chapter's novel. And they recently turned it into a movie on the on, on Disney Plus. I just saw that come up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we just watched it with uh, with my my kids, and it was a lot of fun. It was great. But 
the the national master program really it's about getting kids to read more and more kids to read you know it's just about promoting literature and books and a, and a culture of reading uh, among the kids so as, as national ambassador basically i got to fly around the country talk not just about my books but about books in general it was a lot of fun it was great i got to see america for for two years um and then since then two other ambassadors have been appointed so right now it's uh jason reynolds who primarily writes novels although his most recent book is actually a, a graphic novel called a long way down um and he also he's also like done some stuff in the superhero world so he did a, a a Miles Morales novel. Oh, cool! And then and then he ended up like Jason Reynolds actually ended up in the in the uh, Spider Verse movie. Oh, fun! <laughs> like, like when uh, when Miles is flipping through his the contacts in his phone, one of the contacts in there is Jason Reynolds. That's oh, like that's a little, neat little Easter egg. Little yeah, a little Easter egg for all the book nerds up there. <laughs> but it was fun. It was great. I mean, I don't think it. I don't think it really affects my work i don't really i try not to think about it like i try not to think about anything besides the story when i'm working on the story because i feel like if you think too hard about things that are outside of the story you get like i at least i get too freaked out to finish yeah that makes sense so i just i just try to concentrate on you know when i'm writing a page what is going to be interesting enough to get the reader to read the next page and for something like that, when you're, like you said, you're touring America, I, I assume that your teaching background that you had kind of helped out with that, what you were doing and kind of uh, had a little bit of a groundwork going in. So you didn't, it's, it's kind of the different side of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. It helped a lot. So I was a, I was a high school teacher for 17 years. And for half of that time, I was only part time because I was working on comics for the other part of my time. But as a high school teacher, I just think that that's such a great training ground you know for for doing presentations and and talking and even for kind of building up this uh this armor around your ego because <laughs> because uh there's like it's not true of every high school kid but in almost every high school classroom we're gonna have a handful of kids that are just brutally honest oh, you know sure, and, yeah. and i think that's that's really good for you so and working it's painful on, but good for you no yeah absolutely i, I mean i i remember high school and it was mostly brutal for me but in the long run i can mm. see where you know help me out in, in some aspects as well yeah it's that yeah. character building stuff yeah i think that's probably true of a, a lot of folks in comics that's true for me too <laughs> I, I do think like in a lot of ways i think my writing career has been about working things out from my childhood you know on, on the page yeah that makes sense yeah it's a good cathartic way to to do it as well yeah and we mentioned before uh, the Eisner Award, uh, two Harvey Awards. When uh, 2020 was a rough year for everybody, you you pulled two Harvey Awards out of it. That's got to be a nice uh, silver lining on the year that we've had in 2020, though. We'll pause right there, take our next commercial break, come back and chat more with Gene Luen Yang. Please stand by. Hey, this is Yuri Lowenthal, but you may know me recently as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. And you're listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back to geek to me Radio. Chatting the entire hour with cartoonist Gene Luen Yang, writer, artist. He does a little bit of everything, and we talked about him having a pretty good year for 2020, winning two Harvey Awards. 
Yeah, that was that was a shock when they called me up and told me that. I, I was I was completely shocked. Uh, I mean, um, I, I just felt really thankful. I felt really thankful to be a part of the comic book community. And it was it was so hard, right? Like um, we missed out on all our conventions for a year. Yeah. And and I think a, a lot of us we come to comics as a way of like bonding with other people. That was one of my favorite things about comics when I was a kid. Besides being able to make them myself was the letters page. Yeah. You know, at the end yeah. of every comic was letters page. And when you read it, you see letters from kids that were like you interacting with these, these adults that you admire, you know, these artists and these writers. And there was a sense of community that came through that page. And I think that was part of early Comic-Con culture as well. Like, I, I don't think any other, there wasn't another storytelling medium that had that, that elaborate of a convention culture until fairly recently it was all about building community so for a, a whole year that aspect of comics was just out the window no i i think that's cool too because we we go back now with uh obviously everything's done email so obviously the twitter the uh, the mail section the letter section of comic books is a bygone thing because people can yeah. just email directly or in some cases tweet and interact directly with yeah. uh, people like yourself, writers, creators, artists. But I think it's one of the fun things to go back though and read. Cause I've, I'm, I've got a stupid collection of comic books myself and to sit there and look at some of those letter pages, you've got people like George R. R. Martin wrote into Stan yeah. Lee and when the fantastic four things, stuff like that's just so cool. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Yeah. So it, it's it, amazing doing the conventions and everything before the pandemic hit. Uh, what, what's one of your favorite aspects about that? Cause I know we're all missing conventions right now. We've talked about it on this show before. What are some of your favorite aspects of the conventions? I mean, I think when, when I was young, especially when I was in my twenties, conventions were how I found like-minded people. Uh, I, in, in my twenties, I never went to art school and I consider, like this, uh, what we used to call art night, my art school. So art night was once a week at night, you know, I think it was on a Wednesday, a bunch of cartoonists in the Bay area would all get together at somebody's house and would hang out. We would eat dinner together. We would, um, you know, draw together. We'd look at each other's artwork. We'd give each other advice, you know, we'd give each other critiques and, and throughout, like, I, I think I did that for maybe 10 years and throughout those 10 years, um, that was how I learned how to make comics. I met all of those people through the convention. Like I'd go to a convention, I'd table. At some point, um, somebody would come around with these little flyers about an after party. And then I'd go to the after party and I'd mm. hang out with other cartoonists. You know, we'd talk shop. And I feel like if I hadn't done that in my 20s, if I hadn't gotten plugged into that community of creators, I don't know if I'd still be making comics today. Huh, that's so much of it was about this the support system that I found, you know. And I know a lot of people list themselves as either an artist or writer or something. You, you list yourself as a cartoonist. Is there a reason for that particular nomenclature to which you apply yourself? Or is it, is it not to differentiate? Or is it just kind of that's how you view yourself? Yeah, I think that's how I do my, view myself. Even though nowadays I am doing a lot more writing than I am um, drawing. But uh, I, I think I, I heard that, like, that term cartoonist was used by people I really admire. Like Linda Berry calls herself a cartoonist mm. and people who in, in Jeff Smith as well. Um, people who I kind of emulate and want to pattern my, my career after. So that's why I started using that term. And that was again in the, like an early twenties thing, right? Like all those people, all those artists in my, in that little collective called themselves cartoonists. So I started doing it with me too. And it's got, uh, you'd mentioned some names here. What, what are some of your, 
biggest inspirations like what going back to when you were little like what got you excited that that first superman comic versus uh people who you now are like wow this person is just on the mount rushmore of creators for me who are some of the people who you really put up there yeah when when i was a kid um I, you know I, I think i was just drawn to superhero comics because there was like a certain flash to them like there was like a like the color and the way they told their stories or something very exciting about it. But as I kept collecting, you know, I think this is true of every collector, right? In the beginning, you start collecting for characters, but as you move on, you start collecting for the creators. Yeah. So I started noticing the creators. Um, when I was into superheroes, like I was, I was collecting when they did that whole um, image exodus. And I know early image had like this reputation of being all, like all visuals and, and no story. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like I, I think Eric Larson um, doesn't get as much credit as he deserves for being a storyteller, I like agree. a complete storyteller, yeah. not, not, not just the visuals, all of it together, you know? And the fact that he's been able to run a series on his own for how many years is it? Amazingly. Been, yeah. I think it's been crazy. What, isn't it? Was that 20 years? Are we coming up on at least? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It's, it's a it's a nutty amount of time. I mean, he broke he broke uh, Dave Sim right. He broke Dave Sim's record. That's right. He? Yeah, yeah I, yeah. I believe so. That that sounds right. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. So you know, on the superhero side, I definitely definitely admired, and and also even like like Jim Lee and uh, and Todd McFarland and all of them, like the the way I, I do feel like they changed comics. They changed the business of comics, and they did make space within comics for um other kinds of stories you know yeah absolutely by doing what they did so i, I always admired them for that um and then and then on the other side like as i got older i got more into indie stuff um i, I love scott mcleod stuff like both his nonfiction stuff and zot uh jeff smith i mentioned earlier mm -hmm. and then um i was never a big manga fan when i was a kid but after reading understanding comics by jeff smith i started reading some manga i got really into um naoki orosawa and then um and then uh osamu tezuka um and then you know like a lot of the standard like indie staples like like love and rockets i really loved um hate all, all of that stuff i'm almost scared to get into because i once i get into something i just absorb it and go crazy and i'm it's almost one of the things i'm kind of worried about opening that door to manga because i know i'll just lose i'll I won't have any room in my house once I start collecting more things. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some great stuff out there, though. Like, when I was a kid, I couldn't understand the appeal. I had this friend who was really into manga and anime when I was in high school. We used to have these arguments about it, you know? Like, what what was better? Were, were American or Japanese comics better? But now I just think that they 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 approach storytelling in such different ways. And, and especially in the current era, um, they kind of influence each other, you know, like there's yeah. so many artists in the American space that are monk influenced. Yeah, absolutely. No, that the, you can definitely see how it's kind of almost merging is not the word, but uh, there, there are parts that kind of overlap in the, in the way things are done with both. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, that's right. And we mentioned yeah, obviously before true. your Eisner award, Harvey awards, when, if someone was to say, as of right now, because you still got a obviously a long and brilliant career ahead of you, what would you put up now? As if you, if someone were to ask you for your perfect work that you've done thus far, what would you hold up as the just epitome? We'll take our next break. Come back and continue our chat with Gene Luen Yang right here on Geek to Me Radio. Please stand by.
Hi, this is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. You are listening to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. I am your host, James Enstall. We appreciate your finding the show. Hopefully you're subscribed on whatever podcast platform you're getting this from. I would encourage you to check out the website. We just had the website redone uh, not even a month ago, geek2meradio.com. One of the things you can do to support the show, because we always ask people to help support the show. We know we're a small operation. We I, I do all these interviews. Luckily, I've got someone like Joey V who helps out and does a lot of the heavy lifting technically and with the audio editing and things like that. I definitely would not still be going without him. But at the end of the day, we're kind of a small little two-man operation and the ways you can support the show one of the ways is simply by going to geekmeradio.com there's a little amazon affiliate link if you click on that link if you're going to go buy something on amazon you know you've got something you want to get whatever it is protein powder a lawnmower you're going to buy a funko pop click through the amazon affiliate link on geeks me radio all that does is you make your purchase like you normally do doesn't add anything to it but going through that link helps us it gets a small percentage of your sale goes to geek to me radio for you finding amazon through us so that's a great way to support the show does not cost you a single thing and it does help us out a lot because i'd like to start making money to eventually i can start paying joey what he's actually worth which would break me right now because he's invaluable but it would be be great to have that extra and be able to do more with the show and grow the show so that's a great way for you to help us another way as we mentioned earlier just leave us a five-star review wherever you're hearing this podcast from if it's on anchor fm anchor.fm if it's on spotify wherever you're hearing it leave gates radio a nice five-star review whatever you liked about the show uh if you liked something about the previous show anything at all it helps us out in the long run so we would hope you will help us out and do that for us we appreciate your support in that arena back to our guest we were talking with gene Luen yang for the entire hour and i asked him right before we took that last break uh which of his works in his opinion would he put up as his best oh man <laughs> i don't know if i can I don't know if I can answer that one. I, I hate reading my old stuff. Oh, really? Every time I read it, I, I can see things that I want to change. You know, if, it, if I drew it myself, I see all these mistakes in the art. Uh, and then I always see mistakes in the dialogue, like things that I want to change in the dialogue hmm. or in the caption boxes and stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I think I think the book that I'm most well known for is American Born Chinese. But I haven't read that book all the way through in in years, like I, like maybe maybe over a decade. Because I just like I'll read it sometimes for like a book event, you mm-hmm. know. I'll, I'll read a chapter or something, and even when I do that, there are pieces that I wish I could change. <laughs> so I just try not to. I try not to look. I'm always like, I think I'm always happiest with the current book that I'm working on because I'm still working on it, so I can still change it. That's true. But w- once I turn it in, I have a hard time looking at it again. And you just mentioned earlier that you are working on the new Shang-Chi. I assume it's an ongoing series, not another limited series. Is that correct? It'll be it ongoing? is. It's ongoing. Yeah, it's ongoing. We're, we're pretty excited about it. So it's with uh, DK Ruan, who is, was one of the artists on the miniseries. So he did all the present day scenes. Um, and he's going he's gonna to do all the art chores of the, of the ongoing. He, he just, you know, I've seen all, he's turned in a bunch of pages for issue number one already. And they're, they're amazing. I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to anyways, like what we're doing is for the first story arc, it'll be kind of like Shang-Chi versus the Marvel universe. So he's going to take on a different Marvel character in every issue. Oh, wow. So the first one he's going to, he's going to fight um, Spider-Man and the second one, it'll be um, Captain America. And then I'm going to go on from there. Nice. 
That's always it's always fun. I, I don't know why it is, but hero versus hero is always one of those things that draws people in. Who doesn't like a good thing versus Hulk fight, for example? Yeah, thing versus Hulk. <laughs> that was one of my first comics too, for sure. Yeah, it was when thing was all spiky. Yes. Oh, that's right. It was all spiky. Fantastic Four yeah. number three hundred and twenty. Spiky thing versus Gray Hulk. Yeah, that was it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorites I, I love that whole era because yeah. i think the very next issue was ms marvel in her new thing form versus she hulk uh but yeah it's that's one of those right, that's right. great great eras of that uh, those late 80s early 90s comics before we as we talked about comics kind of went into a weird area with their the way they were doing things yeah but yeah. Marvel's Shang-Chi, obviously, we're getting a movie coming out because we've got, uh, you know, WandaVision just dropped in Disney+. Plus. There's a whole series of stuff that's coming out. I'm, I'm stoked for what if uh, we're going to get Falcon and Winter mm-hmm. Soldier here. Shang-Chi movie coming out. Do you have any uh, thoughts on, uh, have you been, as the current writer, did you get any in- input on how they're filming things or anything like that? Or do you have any ideas of kind of the way you want to see it play out? No, no, <laughs> we, uh, we didn't get, we didn't get too much more than, than the public did. You know, I think I might've seen the, the costume before other folks did, but not much, not much at all. And, um, and, and I think it's, it's for the best because I'm a comic book guy, right? So I, from my perspective, I think that the comics ought to lead, like it shouldn't be the comics chasing after the movies. It should be the movies following the comics. I would agree. I think the best, like the best movies did that, right? The best movies followed what happened in, in the comics first. So, um, so what we're trying to do in the comic is really just push ahead without really thinking about the movie at all. Like they're, they're, I think they're thinking about it in the marketing department. Like they want the book to come out to, to support the movie mm-hmm. or, or vice versa. I guess the, the, so that the movie publicity will support the book, but in terms of the story, in terms of what, DK and um, and Darren and I are up to. We're just focusing on telling a good story. And you did that brilliantly with that limited series. Uh, I liked, I loved how it was a different artist for the flashbacks versus the present day scene too. That was a really brilliant concept. Well, thank you, thank you, uh, Philip Tan, who who did the um, did the flashback sequences. He and I have been wanting to work together for a long time before that, so I'm glad that we were finally able to do it. He did a bunch of the covers for New Superman. And you've got a whole bunch of people who you've worked with. Obviously, you just mentioned some of them there, people you've worked with on other projects. What about uh, as, a, as a writer, do you ever think about when you're writing stuff, oh, I'd like to see this artist draw this or vice versa when you're when you're doing art, be like, oh, it'd be great if I could work with a certain writer or any kind of thoughts like that when you're working on either end of the spectrum? Yeah, for sure. I mean, with, with the Superman Smash as a clan book, from the very get-go, the way I saw it in my head was it was drawn by Gurihiro, who I had worked with on, you know, uh, 15 Avatar books. Mm-hmm. So so I, I was very familiar with their art style, with what they were good at. And I, I think they're like among the best of the best working in comics today. Yeah. Um, but uh, like like for, for the pure superhero stuff, I've always wanted to work with Ivan Rice and I'm, I finally get to now on, on Batman Superman. I like, when I think about the DC universe, the art that I picture in my head is art drawn by Ivan. And and now um, like we're, uh, he, he just turned in the artwork for uh, Batman Superman number 16. And it's phenomenal. It's hmm. amazing. It's some of the best stuff I've ever seen from him. It's, uh, it's shocking. You know, he, he like designed an all new Batmobile and it's, 
I can't wait for people to see it. It's so good. It's, I love looking at the evolution of the Batmobile over history when you see people like Norm Brayfogle gave us that kind of version in the late 80s. Yeah. And then they kind of Burtonized it a little bit when they went into the 90s. But it's it's always cool to see a brand new Batmobile rolled out. Yeah, yeah. This one is is great. He pulled like heavy inspiration from 1940s cars, which I've always been into. But it's it's gorgeous. And with everything else you're doing, we just talked about, obviously, Shang-Chi you're working on, Superman, Batman you're working on. What is there coming down the pike that you maybe, and again, I'm not pressing you to tell us about anything you can't tell us about, <laughs> but do you have anything else upcoming that people should watch out for? We'll pause there, take our last commercial break of the hour, come back and continue our chat with Gene Luen Yang. Please stand by. Hi, this is Shannon Farnan, the original voice of Wonder Woman, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back for our final segment here on Geek to Me Radio. Once again, I encourage you to check out the website geektomeradio.com. Just got redone. It's all shiny and new. Very excited. You can catch our previous episodes there. And all sorts of other cool things. Uh, look up the celebrities if you want to see who we've interviewed and what shows they're on. You can do all that from the celebrity interview page. A lot of stuff happening. Very excited and proud to show off that website. Thanks again to Jeff Shelton, who designed the entire website, and also Gary Caps for all the under-the-hood stuff, making it run so well. Big shout out to those gentlemen for all their help. I also want to mention our official movie sponsor, MarcusTheaters.com. Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern, uh, making it safe to go back to the movies. I'm so excited. They're open seven days a week now in certain areas. Here in the St. Louis area, they've opened up the DePere Theater again. Uh, went out and saw some great movies. I know Joey V went out, and I think the last one he saw was The Father. He's trying to do all the Academy Awards movies. Uh, I haven't gotten out to see that one yet, but Anthony Hopkins, you can't go wrong there. Uh, and there's a lot of great movies to be seen. Raya and the Last Dragon, Kong versus Godzilla out right now. If you want to see a movie, you want to do it in the proper environment, go to MarcusTheaters.com. Find the location of the Marcus Theaters or the movie tavern closest to you. Click on the link, buy your tickets. You can then download the app, and that way you can just buy your tickets through your phone, get your concessions on, you know, order them right there so they're hot and wait, ready for you when you show up to the movie theater to see your movie that way it's a more contactless experience they've gone above and beyond with cleaning measures it's safe to go back and see a movie again i missed seeing movies that was one of the worst things about covid uh just from a you know we can't get out and do stuff kind of an aspect obviously the disease itself was horrible but but the, the whole being locked down i miss seeing movies in the theater i know a lot of you feel the same way go to marcustheaters.com check out the website and buy your tickets Go out and see movies, support Marcus Theaters, because we we will miss the movie theaters when they're not here. So we want to make sure we patronize them while they are here. MarcusTheaters.com. Very glad to have them as our official movie sponsor here on geek to me Radio. Before we took that last break, we were talking with Gene Luen Yang. We asked him about what he can tell us, any upcoming projects he's working on or anything like that. Yeah, I, I'm working on a couple of other projects for First Second Books, who who published uh, American Born Chinese and, and more recently Dragon Hoops. But um, we haven't got to the point yet where we can announce anything. But I, I am I am working on a, a couple of books for them. And if people want to check out the website, it's Gene, G-E-N-E, Yang, Y-A-N-G dot com. You can find out more, uh, check out samples of his stuff and everything else. Where can people find you if they want to keep up with you other than the website, social media? Or are you active on any of the, the, the streaming platforms, anything like that that you do? Yeah, I'm I'm at uh my handle is Gene Luen Yang, G E N E L U E N Y A N G. 
And you can find me there on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. And I just recently joined Clubhouse like a week ago. So we've we've been playing around with that. Uh, my friend Tin and I, Tin, Tin Fam is another cartoonist. So he and I did a book together called Level Up for First Second Books uh, years ago. But he's also on Clubhouse. And we hang out um, every Monday at 5 p.m. In, in, a, in a little room on Clubhouse. So we, we usually hang out for about an hour and it's an open room. So if anybody wants to hang out with us, they can, they're, they're free to join. Very cool. And we're hopefully seeing a light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines that are rolling out and everybody getting uh, inoculated and everything like that. Do you have towards the end of the year yet? Do you know if you're going to be doing any more conventions? Yeah, we're hoping to. We um, Definitely not anytime in the spring or early summer, but maybe in the fall um, we, we may be able to do something. Yeah, we're, we're, that, that's still kind of up in the air, though, but hopefully we're hoping so. Gotcha. Yeah, as, as we all hope, like I said, conventions are probably one of the biggest things I've missed uh, during the pandemic. So hopefully we get back to that and we can start yeah. uh, getting people to out and having them having you sign their stuff, their novels, their art and everything like that. Uh, Jean Luen Yang, this has been an absolute pleasure for me. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor. Anytime. That's going to do it for us. Um Big, big thanks to Gene Luen Yang for his time. Always great to talk with these creative people and pick their brain and uh, find out what they've got coming out. And if you haven't yet read Superman Smash of the Clan or you haven't picked up the Shang-Chi series from Marvel, get out, support your local comic book store, grab those, read them, and support artists and cartoonists and writers like Gene Luen Yang and the other ones we always have on the show. I'm always uh, very thrilled that we get the caliber of guests we do. So thanks to him for taking the time to be on. Uh, make sure you tune in to KTRS on Sundays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, so you can check out our live shows. We've got a lot of great guests coming up for the month of April, and we want to make sure that you tune in. We can take live listener questions via the phone and everything. Very excited to be back on the air as well. Hopefully you're enjoying both shows, the online version and the live radio version. And until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I sound be. It's not in the Planet Krypton, good night. This is James Enstall, host of geek to me Radio, and I have a mission for you. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. The next time you want to buy something from Amazon, go to geek2meradio.com first and click our Amazon affiliate link. Simply shop like you normally would, and when you check out, a small percentage will go to supporting the show. So remember, the next time you want to search Amazon for the latest Game of Thrones Blu-ray or Sonic Screwdriver, click through from geek2meradio.com first. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds.